Good morning, everybody. We're back in this prayer of prayers, looking at how Jesus taught us to pray, the Lord's Prayer. And we're looking at the, the second section that he gives us. If you're with us last week, we talked about the Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And how that's talking about this collective Our God. And this God who is so near to us, and yet so wholly other distinct from who we are. And the gift that we get in praying to this God who is both near with us and, and yet other, the idea of heaven, that he's in this place that's complete and knows that completeness. And, and we're going to talk about that today with this next section, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So these are some, some big words, right? Kingdom and, and will. But thankfully, we, we know some about God's character, so we can imagine what his kingdom looks like. We can imagine what his will is like. We can even imagine a bit what heaven is like. We know that God is love, and so his kingdom will be about love. We know that God is, is peaceful. And so his will would be peace, and not the kind of peace that just wipes away any challenges, but, but a, a true peace, a shalom, as we've talked about throughout the different series that we've been in. We know that God is just, and so heaven is just. His will is just. His kingdom is just. And we could even suppose to know our way through this, but, but like if you look at our world, if you look at our situations, if you open the newspaper, there are so many spaces that are in desperate need of peace, of love, of abundance, of justice. So when we pray for it, what is it that we're actually watching for? This morning, I want to go to the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is going to be a familiar passage for you, but I want to look at it kind of through a different lens. And so go with me to Luke 4 in, in verse 16. It begins that when Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus rolled up the scroll, and he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say that to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from Jesus' mouth. There's a lot in this passage. But this is the beginning of, of God's kingdom coming here. That's what Jesus is proclaiming by quoting Isaiah here. And, and so he says things like, I've come to bring good news to the poor. But a very real question is, what is good news to the poor? I think 
more often than we actually are willing to do, we need to ask people who live in poverty, who live in lack, what do they need? What would be good to them? We can imagine that not being defined by that poverty, oh, that would be good news. Knowing God's provision would be good news. Being seen and recognized by the people around you, that'd be good news. Food in your stomach, money in your pocket, that would be good news. And Jesus goes on and and quotes Isaiah by saying that he's there to release the captives, give sight to the blind, oppressed, freed from their oppression. And now think on that. What, What all does Jesus mean by the oppressed being freed from their oppression? That's vast, right? Is he talking about people groups who are oppressed by other people groups? Is he talking about employees oppressed by employers? Is he talking about the oppression of just unjust laws or unsafe marriages? Is he talking about mental illness and the ways that that can trap and oppress people? Is he talking about power that's abused? individually or systemically. Which of all of those ways is he freeing the oppressed from oppression? I mean, there's so many different spaces where that freedom is needed. And Jesus so long ago says that today these words are fulfilled in your hearing. And I think we forget this next part. You see, the people get excited They're genuinely excited that Jesus says this. They're amazed at the way that he speaks and at the power and authority at which he he quotes Isaiah. But then Jesus changes it a little bit. You see, I think the people who first heard it had had an image of what that freedom from oppression looked like, what, what sight for the blind and free captives, provision for the poor, what all that looked like. But then Jesus goes on. And in verse 25, Jesus says, But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath's in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. And none of them was cleansed except Naaman, the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. This is a crowd turning, right? See, Jesus had said what he had come to do, and then he pointed at times where God had already done this. And what he said upset the crowd so much they were ready to kill him. But what is it that he said? I mean, really, what did he say? He said these people who knew themselves as the people of God were in a severe famine. And there were widows in this land who were hungry. And yet God came to reveal himself and feed 
a widow. But that widow was a, was a foreigner. And there were people with, with skin diseases, with leprosy. I don't know if you know what that's like. Last week, I had the worst case of this like poison ivy thing that I have ever had in my life. And my arms and my legs were covered. I couldn't sleep. I, I didn't want anyone to see it. It hurt. And so when I read the word leprosy, I think of like these people who were, who were suffering chronically from not poison ivy, but an actual skin disease and were shut out from the rest of society. They had to leave their people. And so the, the chosen people of God, there were people suffering with leprosy. And yet God chose to reveal his kingdom through Elisha to a Syrian, to an outsider. Plenty of people were suffering. And Jesus calls attention to how God brought good news to someone else. At the end of the Gospels, we have a similar situation, right? Jesus comes in on a colt. He's coming into Jerusalem, and people are laying their clothing and branches in front of him and calling out, Hosanna. We usually talk about this around Easter, but they are so excited that Jesus has come, certain that he's going to liberate them, that he is going to free the Jewish people politically from Rome. And just days later, this same crowd is yelling, give us Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. Because they feel betrayed. Because the kingdom of God did not come to them in ways that they expected. Now, here's the thing that I know. This, this gathering of people in Luke 4 are not unlike us. And these people who shouted Hosanna at the end of the Gospels and then sadly yelled, we'll take Barabbas, they're not unlike us. So what is it that happened? Well, we know because Jesus said so that the kingdom of God is here. He announced that. Now, it's not in its fullness yet, but the kingdom of God is here and it is breaking through. There's evidence of God's love and God's power and God's justice all around. Now, what, what do we do about it? For me, I have a really limited perspective. I've, I've experienced Peace that doesn't make sense. I've experienced peace and had it in moments where I should not have been at peace, but I know that it was from God. I've known love and received love. I've seen God heal. I've seen people who were sick all of a sudden no longer be sick, either through medical ways, or honestly, even through other just supernatural, miraculous ways. I've seen this, but I've only seen it in the way that I know it. And it's easy for me to have my perspective be the limits to how God's kingdom can break through. It's easy for me to think that God's peace can only come in the ways that I've experienced his peace. God's justice can only come by the means that I've seen his justice come. 
And it's also easy for me to see a situation and say this space needs to be marked by God's love. And, and if God's kingdom is around, if it exists, if it's real, then we will have it here. And use my limited understanding and put my limits onto God. But God doesn't have my limits. And he doesn't have yours. And he promised that his kingdom is coming, and he taught us to pray, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But what do we do as we pray that? Because as I pray it, it's, it's not these magic words that release pixie dust where all of a sudden the social justice needs and cries of this city and of this country are resolved. That, that isn't what has happened. All of a sudden racism and classism and sexism and these other isms are healed and people's hearts and minds transformed and systems are redone. That hasn't happened yet. So what does happen when we pray? Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done. Right here at 4th and Oak where I am or at 6th and Jefferson where many of our people spend time, or in our homes, or in our hospital rooms, or wherever it is, just like it is in heaven. What happens? I want to point out a couple things that I've learned happen as we pray for God's kingdom. The first thing, that very space that we begin to pray for, that person, that opportunity, our heart turns towards that situation. So right now, one of the women in, in Eyes at Sea's program is, is suffering with an illness. And I have never met her, but as I hear Nikki talk about her, I've, I've started to pray for her. And over the last couple days, all of a sudden, I'm praying that God's kingdom would come and her, his will would be done in her life. And all of a sudden, there is a growing love in my heart for this person I've yet to meet. I've read it before that it is impossible not to love somebody that you are praying for. And so as we pray this prayer, we begin to ache for things that we might not have ached for before. And this is a point that some of us want to just go do something to relieve the ache. Or we want to stop altogether because we feel some pain. But I want to invite you, press forward. Continue on in this. If you're praying for peace for someone who's struggling with mental illness, as you pray, you probably will feel empathy towards their mental illness as you're praying. That's God's kingdom at work. It's not yet the peace that you're praying for. It's not yet the healing that you're praying for, but it's God at work. There's a shifting within us. You see, when we pray to God for our city, for our people, for anything, we're pulled to both. We become nearer. If you pray for your friend or your spouse, parent, your sibling, you begin to love them more as you seek God's kingdom and God's will in their life. But it's not just that. You see, as we pray in, in particular situations for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done, then the next thing that we get to do is we begin to look for God's kingdom everywhere. 
not just in the ways that are familiar to us, but in any way that God chooses to break free, any way that God chooses to bring his kingdom. This might look like joy on somebody's face. This might look like a a night of rest uninterrupted. This might look like a deep sense of peace, value. This might look like you being reminded to call that person you love and not just love them from a distance, but tell them. This often looks like a practical, tangible way for us to respond and interact with the world, but it's not just us interacting with the world. What this is is us interacting with the very space where God's kingdom is breaking through. And we need to have our eyes open, watching, anticipating. Even as we're praying for justice in our city, let's watch for any means of justice. Let's watch for any means of God breaking through. And finally, as a a means of, of thanks, of a means of acknowledgement, we add our amen when we recognize God's kingdom. When you see God's kingdom breaking through anywhere, add your amen. That may be literally shouting amen. Let it be so. That may mean you giving a high five to somebody or a socially distanced elbow. That may mean you writing a letter and acknowledging that you recognize the Holy Spirit at work within somebody. That mean you may mean you even bust out in worship a prayer, grateful that God's kingdom is at work among us. See, one of the things that I'm learning is we, be, we see what we set our hearts and our minds to. And when I'm in the space where I'm setting my heart and my minds just on the troubles of this world, I cannot get out of them. And when I set my mind on just heaven and lofty things, I cannot get out of that. But when I set my heart and my mind on the spaces that I see where we desperately need God's kingdom to come and his will to be done, all of a sudden there is a joy that fills us and we can begin to anticipate and expectantly hope that God will break through. And however God breaks through, we say our amen. Whether it be the widows in our town or the widows far off, the lepers near us or the lepers in Syria. Whether it be peace in my heart or peace in yours until the day that it is all peace, all hope, all love, all joy until the day that heaven has fully come. Now, I know that this kicks up a lot for some of us. I know there are spaces where we've ached for a long time, and I want to encourage you. I know I do this every week. I really want to encourage you to, to pray with our prayer counselors here. There are some of our friends who would love to hear your heart and to add their amen to your desire, to move nearer to you as you move nearer to God. 
They'll walk through this. If you have some pain to explore or something to explain, they'd love to be there. And if you're somebody who doesn't know about Jesus and his kingdom, I want to encourage you to to get to know him. And a first step would be go meet with our our per counselors and talk with them. They'll help you understand just the beginnings of Jesus and his kingdom and what it is that you can be helpful for. But for each of us, let's not be afraid to look at the spaces in our lives and in our collective world where we desperately need God's kingdom to break through. But let's not limit God to our understandings. Instead, let's join in the voice of Jesus and ask our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven.